Hello, we're here. This is four. This is four. We're turning four. If we were a child, we could start to form our own opinions and lie. We're a whole month of episodes. There's like a lot of podcasts about what we're talking about, though. I saw that. I didn't know that until... Me either. I guess one of us could have Googled it, but I... Whatever. Listen to this one. There's a bunch of true crime podcasts. There's also multiple podcasts about the show Sister Wives. So if there's multiple podcasts about a show that literally 12 people watch. Do you want to know a secret? Yeah. So when I started watching Sister Wives, the TLC hit, I would always have a dream that like I was either at the altar or like on a date. And all of a sudden I would look up and be like, I'm in a polygamist relationship again. And I don't like this for myself. I would get so upset that I had been tricked into polygamy again. <laughs> again? And I would have this dream over and over and over again. Eventually, when I met my husband, I had the polygamy dream like once or twice. And then my husband in the dream was like, you don't have to be in a polygamist relationship if you don't want to. That's how you knew he was the one. Because he didn't force you into a polygamist and then I never had the polygamy nightmare again. You cured yourself. With love. True love is the cure for the polygamy nightmare. I'm gonna say, my reoccurring nightmare, again, cut this. Is that real? It's happened to multiple people. <laughs> oh my God. I had a dream two nights in a row that I low-key enjoyed. I was thrown into a classroom with like 20 minutes before the first day of school. And then I like dreamt a whole day of school. And then the second night I went to sleep and I dreamt the second day of school. I'm glad you didn't have the third night because it was getting dangerous. The third night I went to bed and I was like, oh, I get to see my kids tonight. And then I woke up and I was like, shit, I guess so, we should do this. We should do this. So we're here, episode four. This is being recorded on September 13th. Is that today's date? Yeah, but why did you tell them that? I don't know. <laughs> Just in case, like, something terrible happens in the U.S. And, like... Oh. Like, the queen died recently. We need to be mindful. <laughs> At work, I was, like, making jokes about the queen dying. And then someone was, like, genuinely upset. And I was, like... Oh, my God. Could not be me. Okay. We're here in episode four. If you made it with us to episode four, because so far we've released episode one, which has gone very well. Thank you for all the love. But by episode three, people could be like, let's, let's delete it. <laughs> this was a huge mistake. They're like, oh, we were trying to be supportive of two women, but <laughs> squawking is getting to us. Not the squawking. Oh, okay. God. And that, that one, the one one-star review that we got we're gonna we're gonna make it up to you lucky for you you left a one-star review on a podcast with two people who are absolutely obsessed with you liking us we'd like to host you on this podcast please come we're gonna make you the host of the meeting so you can mute our mics <laughs> i'm gonna make an only fans but except it's no pictures you can just book time with me to do that <laughs> you get the only fans and it's just a calendly link Anyways. Okay, so for uh, the people that do like us, thank you so much for returning. I have to cut a lot of that out. <laughs> we can definitely keep parts of it, though. There's some gems in there. So, like, where are we going to be a month from now? Hopefully, maybe we'll have two one-star reviews <laughs> instead of one. I was just going to say something about the reviews. 
We wanted to create a SMART goal out of your comment. That was my induction project. Do you have to do induction in Florida? Baby, in Florida, you sign a paper and they give you a key. <laughs> we did have new teacher orientation and it was two days. Okay, so no, you did not have to do induction. We had to do a year-long project and mine was on SMART goals. So fun fact, I didn't know what a SMART goal was. They were like, bitch, this is a SMART goal. And I was like, well, I feel very stupid. Um, then... <laughs> I left education and I get my job at this, where I work now, I work at a real estate office. We like meet with the agents like every once every couple months to be like, how's it going? How's your business doing? What do you need from us? And my manager was like, yeah, so we're going to have them write a smart goal. And I swear to God, the room started spinning. And I was like, I was like, I was like, what, when you, why? So like, so, <laughs> so this is my thing with smarty. I is. The E is equity. Oh, yeah, inclusion and equity. I love that. I love the thought behind that. I, it's amazing. We love it. However, this is what happened. My district got in trouble for like general structural racism. As a public district is wont to do. And so they're like, hey, you guys, so sorry about the historic racism that affects us then and currently. Um, to combat this, we're going to have our teachers do smarty goals instead of smart goals. And I was like, you know, I could see that and I'm like ready to agree with you if like we actually implemented these goals, but every time I would write it, they would check it and throw it away and then never ask me about it again. Okay, we checked the DEI box. Now back to your regularly scheduled systemic racism. Anytime someone calls to complain, they're like, oh, no, I, you didn't hear. The teacher did a smarty goal, so it's literally fine. Do you know what the I and the E stand for? Here's the kicker. I didn't even think... You, you know what? I didn't even think about this. When it happened, all the times I've told people about it, it just happened right now. I knew what equity and inclusion means from a very textbook perspective because I majored in sociology. So when they told me, hey, you need to put something for equity and inclusion, that's not difficult for me to think of. You know what I mean? I know what those terms mean. I remember they announced it and gave us a couple examples, but I just remembered we had no training about what equity and inclusion actually look like in the classroom and how like you should implement it with these goals. So that's what I mean. Like I'm ready to be on board. And then Florida's like, we need to ban critical race theory. I wonder if they're still doing smarty goals. I should ask my friends who still work there because that was before critical race theory was like in the hot topic of convo for Ron DeSantis. Um, so we did have a guest today, but our guest has fallen ill. So we're sending prayers up that they're, they're well shortly. So we're going to share some submissions with you. Um, also, if you want to submit, the link is literally everywhere. Go to my page, go to Ron's page. It's in the description of this episode. It's everywhere. Go outside. We actually hired one of those planes with the little banners and put a bit.ly link. It's written in the sky. Like a proposal style. So back to our actual jobs of what we're doing here. Right sharing some submissions of the stories you all have sent us about why you left your woes for those of you that are still there why your teacher bff left all of the things who wants to go first not me okay i'll go in my first job out of college i joined a very affluent district they made promises during my job interview that they didn't follow through on shocker <laughs> that was my little interjection that was not from the submitter my room I was shown on the school tour magically became a cubicle in the staff room. I was given a cart 
and each class I taught was spread out across the school. It was made clear when I joined that the department was a family. We protect our own and we never break our family rules. So it's a cult. It's giving cult. Anyways, being a young teacher, I had a question that I was uncomfortable bringing up in our department meeting. When I bumped into my vice principal at lunch, I mentioned my question. She answered it and I went on with my day. Later on, we get an email about an emergency department meeting where I was wrung out in front of everyone by the head teacher who was furious for me embarrassing her because she didn't know what the vice principal was talking about when she mentioned my question. I really want to know what the question is, but they did not disclose. Why is she such a bitch? (laughs) That's my question. Um, Since then, they were clearly out to get me. The teachers would make snide comments when I walked by. A teacher would whisper, we're going to get you fired during my lunchtime. I quit by February, worst teacher job ever. So one, the whispering, this is not Pretty Little Liars. Let's write it down several notches. Secondly, we picked the same one. I was also <laughs> dying at that one. The cart. The cart is an instant read. The way that the entire American public education system is just balancing on one of those carts where not all four wheels touch the ground when I'm just spinning. That's Uh the foundation of our education system. I'm so glad we picked the same one. We're so in sync. We are. Good for us. Okay, so I'll go ahead with mine. This is about bureaucracy. Um, So I left because of the bureaucracy. I was born in Pennsylvania, but chose to complete my bachelor's degree in England. I focus. Oh, my God. Sorry about the queen. So sorry. Sorry for your loss. Good luck. Anyway, um, I focused my degree on ESL and gender studies. ESL, I'm assuming, also means English second language in England. So I focused my degree on ESL and gender studies, which would allow me to teach social studies in English. I got my teaching certification in England and came home in 2020. Terrible timing to make a return to your homeland. My qualifications won't transfer over with every master's certification program I find. The prerequisites are crazy. I'm talking like two years extra of gen ed, science, and math to teach English. My degree in England was four years of education education courses with a 12,000 word dissertation. When transferring my credits, I completed way more than what a bachelor's in the U.S. does. The education I received in England was incredible, and with a few classes I've taken in the U.S., it was better. Taking on a second degree plus extra classes for minimal pay isn't justifiable, so I've moved on to working in nonprofits. If I could move back to England, I would start teaching ASAP. That sucks. So what gets me is, like, they make it so difficult to be a teacher, even if you are, like, violently qualified to be a teacher. What about the veterans and their wives that have no teaching experience? The the spouses do have to have a college degree. Okay. The veterans don't, but the, it doesn't have to be in anything specific. <laughs> you could literally have, like, I don't know, it's like a niche-ass degree. My theater okay. arts degree? You have a theater arts degree, and then they could you could literally get a temp cert to teach calculus. This happens state to state, too. Like, yeah. I have a friend who's teaching math in California, but she got certified in Ohio, 
and they're making her literally get recertified for California. California is one of the ones that it's really difficult to transfer to because I looked into this. It's pretty easy to transfer to Florida and transferring between a lot of the southern states is pretty easy. But I know like California, New York, Washington, a lot of those kind of states that like have like budget and standards, I guess. <laughs> the rest of the country calls what we do an alternative certification. Yeah, that's like what I know. The way I got certified is that. Here, that's like pretty normal. Like when I lived in Pennsylvania, there was elementary or early education as a major. Here, you major in whatever you want. And then your core education classes you take as a fifth year. So instead of spreading out those classes, you take them all at once while you student teach. So do you like graduate with a four-year degree and then you do that for a year? Okay, you don't do that at your university. There's an option to. So like if I went to like UC Berkeley, like one of the public colleges in California, can I major in education or I major in like literary or English or like child development or I major in like something else and then I just do my fifth year for education stuff? Yeah, I got my degree at Pepperdine in theater arts. I got my teaching credential at CSUN, which is like a state school. And if you were going to go there for four years, most people did liberal arts. But you could do whatever. Interesting. I don't, I don't know. I don't hate that. It was like a boot camp for education classes. It's also good, yes, because it's like everything's super recent. It's with student teaching. And also I think it's good because like it's good to have diversity in the classroom of like backgrounds. Like I'm very in favor of pe people doing teaching as like a second career or a career move. Cause I think it's good for kids to hear and speak to people who have done a variety of different things. So I think it's kind of cool that all different teachers could have a different educational background because you're all going to bring something different as opposed to if you'd all gone through all the same education classes, like you'd just be plugging and chugging the same info. Yeah. Do you want to read your second submission? Yeah. It says, okay, bestie, so. I, and I love that. Okay, bestie. So I teach at a small high school in the South. I'm a first year teacher, so I'm trying not to stir the pot too much. However, I've gotten incredibly uneasy getting started because of the religious state of things. Nearly every school or district-wide staff meeting has begun with some sort of scripture recitation, sermon-like speeches, or Advent-leading prayer. I understand that this is a small conservative town, but it's a public school. As a queer woman who is no longer religious and had traumatic falling out with the church, I don't feel safe here. I don't feel like I can go to HR because this is the standard. And I've seen them attempting to lead prayer as well. HR is attempting to lead prayer? HR is like, all right, gather around. <laughs> Let me feel your hands. Why are, where is the opportunity that HR is praying? I would literally call 911, I guess. I don't know. Like, what's Hi, um, Susan from HR just started praying. I mean, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. The Holy Ghostbusters, as it were. What's the reverse of an exorcism? A possession. We're going to go do a possession at your school. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> um, so HR is leading prayer. That's horrifying. The district has even brought in guest speakers, yes, plural, that have given motivational speeches stating that a teacher cannot be good at their job without a relationship with Christ. They said that teachers without that spiritual connection are selfish. I could go on, but I'm avoiding identifying features about my time here. 
It's just incredibly frustrating. There is a small pocket of like-minded individuals I've found, but they are also scared to say anything. Okay, so if I was in a PD or a district meeting and they said that you need to have a relationship with Christ, I would start laughing. Right? Like, I would be like, where are the cameras? Like, <laughs> like have a relationship with Christ. I've never even met him. What are you talking about? Oh, I can't even imagine and what a rush it would be to find the people who are not down with that. Like when they, when this person says that they found like-minded people, I bet that was the best day. It's like water in a desert. Like it's like when you're on a deserted island and you see a helicopter, you're like, it's happening. (laughs) Thank God. I mean, not thank God in this situation, I guess. Yeah, thank God. It's a part of the district PD agenda. Didn't you see? It's line item three. We're going to do the prayer, hit a kid, and then thank God. (laughs) Oh, the South. I remember when I was in high school, there was quite the skerfuffle over praying, but it was on football games, which to me is a tougher line. Didn't that recently happen that somebody was praying and somebody said it was fine? The details of this might not be 100% correct, so everyone feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just like going off my own memory here. But when I was in high school, my teacher, my U.S. history teacher was a football coach, and he was talking about prayer on the field, and he was like, yeah, there's actually a Supreme Court case about it, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, and they ruled that it's okay to do prayer in extracurriculars if it's initiated by kids. Like a teacher can't be the one leading it, which to me... Okay, I guess. If a kid initiates it in an extracurricular, it's not in the school day, you know? So I'm like, I get how from like a legal perspective, that's fine. So whatever. He tells us that when um, I was in high school and when I was in high school, every game they did a prayer. It was always initiated by a kid. It was always led by a kid and the coaches would like be on the side, but participate. The Supreme Court, it went to the Supreme Court again because I don't know if it was like an appeal or whatever, but this guy was basically like, Uh, If it's extracurricular, I should be able to lead in prayer because the logic is when you're in extracurricular, you're not acting as a teacher in an educational setting. So like when I was in high school, a lot of the football coaches did not work there and were not teachers. They were parent volunteers. So that's why I was like, I get how it's extracurricular. It's different. But the Supreme Court apparently ruled in this guy's favor saying, yep, as a teacher during an extracurricular, you can lead them in prayer. We no longer say it has to be the kids leading it. So apparently it's fine now if it's extracurricular. Wow. That's unfortunate. I think it's a hard topic. That's why I feel like the kids starting it is kind of a good parameter, I guess. But it's so hard to say if that's genuine or like being prodded to. Right. I mean, like, are they trying to impress their coach? Yeah. Well, you like grew up there. Yeah. And that's why like, okay, so like, to me, like, I grew up in that setting. So even though I didn't grow up religious, and my town was not this way. I've lived in places where everyone in the town goes to the same church, everyone in the town goes to that same school. And to me, like, if that's the town, and that's the culture and norm of that town, and a child wants to pray before their football game, I don't think that's any of the Supreme Court's business. You know what I mean? But to me, like, it so easily becomes so weird and so shady. And, like, it just so easily crosses a line to, like, indoctrination that it's, like, hard to find that line. We should probably not include any of this because neither of us know what we're talking about. And, like, the lawyer from this case is going to comment on it. (laughs) We should do a separate time where we talk about this, like, more in depth. Yeah, we should. 
and like actually use sources. So back to discussing our submissions of all you all's woes. I have a really good one. It's um, incompetent admin to a point that reaches, I don't even know what to call this, what it reaches, but at the time I was an eighth grade history teacher, stupidly admin included our personal phone numbers on our phone extension list next to our name with our classroom numbers. Naturally, the list was put up on the wall next to the classroom phones all around the schools. One of my middle school students wrote down my cell phone number from the list and began texting me sexually explicit text during class time. No. Obviously, I found out who was doing it and told my admin who was involved in... Told my, told my admin who was involved and what they were texting me. Sorry, I misread that. I was like, my admin, who was involved? Like, I was like, wait, it's a group chat? Oh my God. <laughs> so, let's start over. Obviously, I found out who was doing it and told my admin who was involved and what they were sending me. They proceeded to read the text messages from the student, laugh at what they texted me, and did not punish the students. So, like, the first act of aggression on the admin part is putting your cell phone number onto the walls. I'm so confused on so many levels. We don't even give out our cell phone to parents. Like, we have a Google Voice number. Yeah. And if you give out your phone number to parents, people get so mad because they're like, now you're setting a precedent that next year they're going to go to their next grade teacher and be like, well, so-and-so gave me her phone number. Like, why aren't you giving... So, like, it becomes an issue with your peers then. We didn't really have a policy on it. We were supposed to have classroom phones with extensions, but mine would never work. And I didn't really want people to, like, call me in the middle of teaching. So I just never told anyone it didn't work. I never knew how to dial the extension. I could call the office and that was it. I didn't know how to do anything else. My classroom, my panic button never worked. And I found out the hard way. I was teaching and a girl passed out just like, I don't know, didn't eat, overheated, like nothing super crazy, but she like was leaning against the wall and raised her hand. And I was like, whoa. And I was a first year teacher. It was like probably November. And then she starts passing out. And so I run to go hit the panic button and it wasn't panicking. <laughs> the little robot in the sky wasn't coming on. And thankfully I taught at a school that had a pretty advanced athletic program so I got one of those kids and they ran so fast to the nurse I was like you gotta run like it's your meat right now and the nurse was there quick that's amazing I would have had an asthma attack myself and then we would have all been having medical emergencies and no one would have been able to help I have a good one though it's a shorter one I taught in a KIPP school with extended days in a classroom with no AC and south-facing windows. My classroom was like a greenhouse with temperatures between 88 to 91 degrees all day, every day till Thanksgiving. I was gaslit because no one else was complaining and I didn't have a union. I have permanent voice damage and honestly wouldn't have made it through except my school closed because of COVID. Because once my vocal cords got damaged in the fall, they just got worse and never enough rest to recover. I sounded like a mouse trying to squeak. I worked at Kip. I didn't know if he wanted to say that. I didn't want to say it if he didn't want to bust that out, right? <laughs> That's why I picked it. Because <laughs> I saw Kip and I was like... Mm. Like, so my friend is a teacher and her school had to cut a ton of teachers because 40% of their student population went to Kip. Kip everywhere is so different because I liked Kip. Because I had a KIPP school that I liked. But, like, I would never teach at a KIPP school that wasn't my KIPP school, if that makes sense. I really, so I know two people 
One of them I don't really talk to, so I can't really ask her about it. But I know someone who taught public school, had like a really negative experience, felt it was really toxic, was a kindergarten teacher. They kept trying to push her to third because she had good data. Um, (laughs) Then she left and went to go teach at KIPP and loves it. She loves it. But again, it seems like her admin is really good. They let her stay in kindergarten. She gets to be really creative. Your whole experience will depend on your admin because... They call them school leaders. And when you want to open a school, it's called founding. When they opened and founded our school, they like hit the pavement and like went out into the community and like had to get all these signatures. They had to like get all the support. Meanwhile, like down the street 20 minutes, there was another KIPP school trying to open and the community hated them and was like we do not want you here they were protesting like it was very ugly protesting too like it got dirty and I was just blown away because I was like why would you want to be in a community that hates you because like my school would talk about like school choice and like a lot of kids in our community quite frankly didn't have great school choice because it was operating in an LAUSD area. And the issue, in my opinion, with LAUSD is that, like, the inequities are vast. That's how the district I worked in was. I didn't really get anything. I used to get 250 bucks a year for supplies, which is better than a lot of people get. But I was at a PD with a teacher who had my same subject area in a different part of the district. And he told me that their PTA fundraises to give every teacher a $500 Amazon gift card. They also got every teacher a color printer for their classroom because the activities they gave us at the PD, I was like, I can't do this activity in this way because I cannot print four pages in color for every kid to analyze political cartoons. Like that's just not something I can do. Yep. So in our community, basically that was what was going on. And I personally have no problem sticking it to LAUSD and being like, If you don't want people to leave your school, maybe you should distribute your resources a little better. I know that my take on my charter school, even though I'm just speaking about literally the one that I personally worked at, it's very controversial. Like people do not like what I have to say about it, but it's because charter schools as a whole across the country are not like that. And there are laws that are different in every single state. So, like, my situation is an exception, not the rule. So, I acknowledge that. Like, I know that it's, like, whatever. But for our community, like, we had we had great times. I loved my school community. I loved our neighborhood. I loved everything. Like, and I had a great time with my admin. I felt very valued there. I felt like we were doing good work. And I also felt like... The admin was driven to change KIPP from the inside. Like we did things differently than the KIPP schools in our network. And we had so much DEI training that we got. And our school was really trying to push for a better work-life balance for the teachers. Because the school days are so long. I was there from 7.15 to 4.15 every single day. That's really long. Teaching in a public high school. So my contract time was at 7.10. But I usually got there at 6.45. Because the bus got there at 7 a.m. And I hate arriving to school with children at my door because like let me just get settled for a moment and then I'll be thrilled to see you but anyway our my so my contract time in was 7 10 and my contract time out was 2 30. People would say oh you still have a nap time in kindergarten well yeah because we're there for nine hours the kids had specials every single day and we would have team time coaching meetings like we had 
planning time. We had one-on-ones with our IAs, so we didn't really have to stay after school. It was intentionally built into the day. Every time I ever bring this up and I say I'm in favor of a longer school day, everyone loses their ever-loving mind. But obviously I don't mean a longer school day, like of what your KIPP day was, because that's like already a long day, but like my day that was pretty short, like seven to 2.30ish. I think it would be amazing. And like, just to give a, a high school aspect of it, like imagine if kids had two or three periods a day, every day they could choose an elective, either like an academic elective or like a something hands-on. I think high schoolers should have an hour of recess a day where they either like walk the track, sit outside, like you don't have to exercise, but I think every high school should have an hour a day where it's study hall for everyone. Kids can get passes, so like if a kid needs one-on-one help, they can get it. And all the kids have time to do their homework at school because that's more equitable. There was an online school that I really wanted to teach at. You teach Tuesday through Thursday. Friday is a club day. You host a club, but students get to pick their elective and do that on Friday. And then Monday is like a homework and a planning day. If I was at a school where the teachers got to pick a club and then the kids got to sign up for what they wanted, I would be so upset if mine wasn't the number one sign up one. Like if I didn't have a wait list for my club or like if two kids signed up for my club, they'd get there and I'd be like, well, I don't even want to do it anymore. So have, did your school or maybe because it was a high school, they didn't do this. Did you ever do teacher experiences? You didn't have to do it. You could do as many or as few teacher experiences as you wanted to, but I loved having the coolest teacher experiences what would like what is an experience like do they like hit you with a pie or something one of mine was a a park hangout with my dog so my kindergartners and their parents would come and meet my husky and we would play at the park i'm really offended i wasn't invited i that sounds like something i would love to do except mine like I'm really terrible at having fun. Like to me, things that are like objectively not fun are the most fun. Like what? Like I'm like a nerd. Like I would be like, get in my Honda CRV and I'll drive you around to all these historic sites all across the county. And the kids would be like, no one's signing up for that. (laughs) So one, those were our submissions. Now we're just talking about random things that we've experienced as teachers and throughout our careers um, in shooting shit. If you want to submit, we told you where it is. So when my first year, when at first I didn't know how to be a teacher, so they sent a lady from the district to go sit in my classroom and tell me how bad I was all day, every day. She was actually very, very nice. And she was like, oh, there's this thing you can do. Like we're in our city for Black History Month, um, this nonprofit, you can buy a ticket and they get like a charter bus and we'll drive you all around. And like they stop, they explain stuff. It's really cool. She was like, you should do it because obviously you're a history teacher. You're going to be into that. So we're sitting at my desk talking about that and one of the kids was a couple feet away and he turns around and he goes, y'all really be doing that on like a Saturday? I was like, let me go on my civil rights history bus tour. (laughs) I don't think you can be a true history teacher unless you're coaching football. I need to get back in the classroom because that's my final form. (laughs) Football coach? My first year I took photos for the football team. So I had a sideline pass. It was good. I was kind of like team mom energy and it was so fun and I miss it so much and I really want to become the assistant football coach and now because I'm really into like Peloton and I'm starting to get more into yoga I feel like I could actually bring some value I love that for you so like I'm gonna go interview at teaching positions but I'm not your typical history teacher football coach duo I'm worse (laughs) and then I can just wear a Nike polo and sneakers every day and no one can say anything
I would fully support you in that. I think that that is a dream that you should keep dreaming. I start the year out thinking I'm going to be a certain type of teacher. I'm going to put myself together. I'm. This is the year I'm going to be Insta famous for my good looks. And then it just doesn't happen that way. I mean, I literally released a line of t-shirts and crewnecks because I wanted to wear t-shirts and crewnecks every day at work. Katie Heron wear army pants and flip-flops, so I bought army pants and flip-flops. Me buying Frazzo's merch. My kids, well, the first time I wore the You're All My Favorite Students shirt to teach my 11th graders, the way I got eaten alive. Really? They were like, Miss, did you get that made? Where'd you even find that? I was like, my friend made it. And they're like, did you pay her? And I was like, yeah, obviously. And they were like, that's not true. And I was like, yes, it is. I do feel this way. And they're like, do you... They're like, if you leave here and go to the store, that's so embarrassing. And I was like, no, it's not. I will wear this literally on a date. Oh, I see. Sometimes I think I would really like to teach teenagers. And then I think, why did I say that? No, I don't. This might make me cry, but I saw a tweet about why teaching high school is so magical. And it really like encapsulates it perfectly. It was from, I think her name is Jessica King or something like that. She's a high school English teacher I follow on Twitter. She's incredible at her craft. She seems like a very, very talented teacher. But she said something about how, like, um, teaching high school is amazing because it's the time of, like, someone's life when they're the most alive because they have, like, the most passion and they have all these big dreams, but they haven't been, like, knocked down by the realities of the workforce yet. And so, like, it's so fun with them because they have their own opinions and their own experiences and, like, they have depth and they've been through things and have empathy and all these things. But they're not bored down with that, like, adult, I'm just in this grind forever mentality yet. So they still, like, have these crazy wild dreams. And it's, like, they're literal demons and will hurt your feelings so bad. But they're so, like, inspiring. Also, they really don't give a fuck. Like, like, they're going to be honest with you. I've learned a lot from them. I like teenagers as people, but I deeply fear them as a teacher. I am afraid of third graders. I'm afraid of ninth graders. That's probably my biggest fear of an age group. Are those ones 13? They're 14, 14 and 15. And they just went, they're in a really hard time because it's like the hardest year between babyhood and adulthood. You went from being the big fish in middle school to now the small fish. It's the first time you haven't had your hand held as much from your teachers. So a lot of them act out. They're being exposed to drugs, alcohol, things that some of them have never heard of. Some of them have been excited to be exposed to these things because of media consumption. Their hormones are going wild. That's why I love 11th grade because they're they're kind of mellowed out a little bit by then, but they they don't get that real like itch to get out until the end of the year. Mm. Like teaching 11th grade in June is like hurting cats. Oh God, I can't even imagine. They're, once they're taller than me, I can't do it. And I know they're taller than you and I don't know how you do it. They're sitting down most of the time. Okay, that helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Do you wanna, can I read you a submission? Um, yes. I want us to determine, do we think this really happened or not? Oh my God, yes. (laughs) The principal said that teachers were not moving around the classroom enough. So at a staff training day, she lined up who she thought was too heavy and lazy and yelled at them in front of everyone that their roles weren't cute and they needed to get up and teach. Do you think that's really happened? I want to say no, but I also know how truly insane some people are. I would whip out my phone and start recording. I would 
post that shit to the internet so fast. I would literally open Instagram Live and be like, hey guys, getting body shamed at the faculty meeting. Like, none of this shit ever happens around me. And I feel like I have so much, like, built up anger in my heart from being a people pleaser that I just need a fucking reason. Like, just give me a reason. Like, I wish somebody would be that hateful in front of me so that I could, like, oh, Like, I watch Karen videos and, like, salivate at the thought of it happening to in front of me or to me. So I feel like in some other universe, in some other timeline, in somewhere, I'm a customer service worker getting screamed at by a Karen, and you're screaming at the Karen because every time I've been a customer service worker, that interaction never fails to make me cry. I can be getting screamed at by someone. Sometime, one time someone threw a gin and tonic at me. Worst drink to throw at someone. Anyway, I can handle it. And I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for that feedback. But as soon as, as soon as the other customer is like, whoa, do not talk to her that way. I'm like, yeah, because like, I'm trying my best and it's really hard when you're yelling. I got in semi-trouble at Subway when I worked there because my manager was like, you cannot just cry when the customers are mean to you. You can't. I'm sorry, I'm envisioning you in the Subway Visor. Oh, I was in the Subway Visor. I was in the Subway Polo. What's the Subway order? What do you get at Subway? Flatbread, tuna, American cheese, onions, all in the toaster. You toast the onions. Okay. That was the most violent order. (laughs) I'm not done. It comes out extra pickles, banana peppers, salt and pepper, buffalo sauce. So on a related note, if anyone would like to torture me, that is the perfect method. You just named like, I just have (laughs) tuna. You just had a tuna wrap from Trader Joe's. Okay. 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 A tuna wrap is different than you toasting tuna as a pizza at Subway and then topping it with banana peppers. You're not going to look at me and tell me that those are comparable. What does this have on it? This is a tuna salad wrap in a wheat tortilla with lettuce and tomatoes. That's the definition of an acceptable meal. Banana peppers on your tuna pizza? Tuna melts are a thing. Tuna melts are a thing. Maybe I'm misinterpreting what a flat bread from Subway is because I'm literally envisioning a pizza. Like a tuna melt is like a grilled cheese with tuna. That I fuck with. You're losing me at banana peppers and like the American cheese, like just the slices. Not even like a mozzarella for your flatbread. Mozzarella has no flavor. Love mozzarella. We wouldn't fight over cheese and I think that's a good thing. I think so too. Also, one time when I worked at that fancy hotel, the manager called me into the office. was like, I need to have a serious conversation with you. And I was like, okay, let me start crying right now. He was like, you're a great leader of your team. Like I love collaborating with you and I love working with you and I'm not like mad at you, but I just need to tell you that I did the math and you've eaten $22 worth of burrata cheese this week from our kitchen. <laughs> And he was like, and that is accounting for us buying it wholesale. He was like, are you just eating one of them every day? And I was like, I am. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) We got in trouble at Subway for eating the frozen cookie dough. They pulled us into like a circle, like to discuss. They were like, we are missing 81 cookies and it's been five days. 
and we all like looked at each other. It's like the Spider-Man pointing at each other. <laughs> Nobody ratted anyone out. I mean, everyone was, that was. The manager has the talking stick and is like, so no one knows. How long did you work at Subway? I don't know why. I feel like this is really important. <laughs> I worked at Subway for a full school year. I did two years at a random state school in Pennsylvania and I transferred to Pepperdine. Pepperdine was like my way out of Pennsylvania. My mom was like, I will not pay for Pepperdine. I will not pay for your moving costs, nothing. So to move to California, I worked 50 hours a week at Subway and I worked at an onion stand on the side of the road peeling onions. Onions. Did you find I, that on Indeed? How the fuck do you get a job at an onion? I drove by, I saw the onion stand, pulled over and was like, do you want me to work for you? And they were like, yeah, you can peel onions. Did you get like 10 cents an onion? I mean, I literally peeled onions until my fingers bled. They didn't give me gloves. Yeah, it's a shack on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah. So that was how I like paid my way to California. You were really California dreaming. Like when your child is an adult, or like a teenager, this is gonna be amazing fuel for you. Cause you're gonna be like, oh, you hate it here? You hate it in California with our great education system where I had to peel onions with my hands to get you here a mere miles away from the ocean? You hate it? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I really did. I really did that. I spent most of it crying. From the onions or from your emotions or did it just kind of bled together at that point? I've cried about everything my whole life. I don't know what it's like to not cry. So this is the wild thing. I don't think you're this way, but like when it's something like that, I will start crying. But you could tell me that someone near and dear to me has died and I'd be like, that's the way the cookie crumbles and then like go to work the next day. I'm too sensitive for everything in the world. Like there's not a job that won't make me cry. I'm gonna read you one more submission because we've been recording for an hour and 31 minutes and I have to edit this shit. Perfect, so last submission, then we're <laughs> wrapping this shit up. First year, Baltimore school. Kid looks me dead in the eyes during class and pours out a bottle of white glue onto the floor. No reason, no justification, no stopping it. The end, that's all it says. <laughs> I want to hear from the kid. I want to know, like, was there dead eye contact? Did the teacher do something? I want to know everything. Who cleaned it? Was it the kid? Was it the teacher? Was it janitorial staff? God, I hope it wasn't the janitorial staff. I used to get so pissed. Nothing would make me more pissed at my kids than if they did some shit that the janitor had to clean up. Oh, I was like, I will clean up my classroom, but how dare you throw around poop in the bathroom and then leave it there. <laughs> I um different vibe but my number one don't do that is when they would draw on the desk with my markers you can draw well you can't but I'll get over it if you draw on the desk with your pencil it'll come off with a Clorox wipe I'm gonna come up to you and give you the Clorox wipe but if we leave and I see my mar markers that I guilt trip my mother into paying for mm -hmm. <laughs> have been drawn on these government issued corkboard tables? No, no, no. Markers are canceled. I used to love My doing arts and crafts with high schoolers. They love it. They hate it for five minutes and then they love it. Of course they love it. We all love it. Who doesn't love it? 
they wanted me, oh my God, so teaching strategy if someone wants it, but this is very aggressive, I felt, and I used to always get in trouble for not doing it. So this to me feels like the Hunger Games. So you know where like you're supposed to cold call and be like, you read that paragraph. Yeah, which to, like, I don't sure. do. Yeah, I don't do that. And I told them that. I was like, I just feel like that's rude. Like, it is. And it's not okay. research-based either. Good to know. I was like, I just feel like that's rude. I'm not really comfortable with it. I have social anxiety. So like if I was on the receiving end, I would be very uncomfortable with that. And then I was like, plus I don't like, I don't know how my own bias is getting there with like whose name I think of first. Maybe it's the first kid that walked in. Like I don't trust myself to do that fairly. Right. And so this is the teaching strategy that was recommended to me. Write a number on each one of the desks, just like in the corner. And then put popsicle sticks with those numbers because so you can have it like for every class and then just pull their number. I was like, that's the Hunger Games. I know. This is very controversial for an elementary school teacher to say people are going to shut off the podcast when I say this. I have never used equity sticks a day in my life. Just breaking. Frazzled has never used equity sticks a day in her life. I I hate them. I think it's just as bad as cold calling. People are like, it's such an easy way to get everyone participating. I have kids that don't raise their hand all year long. And you know what? That's on me to figure out a different way to get them to engage. Because I am not going to call on the child and torture them. The child that has social anxiety. Like, I don't give a shit if you raise your hand. I really don't. If you don't feel comfortable enough, A, that's on me. Because I need to figure out how to get you there. B, like, there's plenty of other ways for you to show me what you know. I don't need you to do that. So I always, I actually had to have like a one-one meeting about my lack of cold calling and how much of a problem it was because it was one of our like standard rules. So if anyone is in that situation, the rule I created for myself that like helped me sleep at night is I would only cold call opinion-based questions. Ooh, okay. Um, Because I felt like it was a way, and I would tell them, I'd be like, there's no right or wrong answer, it's just an opinion. And then I would cold call, and I would tell them, like, if you don't really have an opinion, you can just share, like, why you feel neutral. And I felt like that was, like, a less intimidating way to do it, because, like, it's less mic in your face, what's the answer? (laughs) And even that, the district wasn't thrilled with, but it was, like, enough for them to check the box and move on to yelling and stuff. Else. That's a really good idea. But then I would be like, oh, well, what if they don't feel comfortable sharing their opinion? What if they're self-conscious about their opinion? Like I get so like in my head about it. I also think that's very different with smaller kids and bigger kids. Yeah. Because to me in an elementary setting, part of what you're teaching is how to be comfortable in school and setting the tone to make sure that they can be like good in that environment. And by good, I mean like good with themselves. Like right, right, right. feel good. I'm ready to be here. And in my opinion, with teaching high schoolers, it's more about challenging them to get out of their comfort zone a little bit because in two years you're going to be in an environment where people aren't really conscious of those kind of things. So like, I don't want you to later panic because someone asks you in a group of people. So to me in high school, and that's what I would always explain to them, it's like about building that muscle in a more safe environment where like you can be wrong. We're all friends here. Like we all know each other. It's fine. So that later when you're in a college class that's much bigger or you're in a job or you're in like a group setting, you're going to feel more like more willing to speak up and less intimidated by it because you practiced. I just got like really sad because you're like a good teacher. I know. It's like really weird. Like sometimes (laughs) I'm like, wait, that was kind of good. I mean, just like it sucks that the education system is what it is for all the reasons that it's pushing teachers out. Like, like you're really good. So I feel like when I left teaching six months or seven months ago, 
I was like just so broken like I was and I didn't know why like I was like I just feel so turned off from teaching like I just feel dead like I was like I love the kids but I just like I'm miserable and I hate it and I feel like the headspace I'm in now being in corporate America has taught me so much about how to interact with people how to get what you need how to advocate for yourself how to be good at email communication like I've learned so many of those skills that I feel like I'm so glad I left the classroom when I did because I think if I didn't, I would have just like spiraled worse and grown to resent it. But I feel like I'm in a place now where like financials aside, because that's something I don't have a ton of control over what they pay teachers, but financials aside, like if I went back into the classroom, I feel like I would be so much better now and like more confident and be able to do things and like stand up for like why this is the right thing and be less of like what you're saying, like a people pleaser. Like I, as much as y'all have seen me on TikTok, talk shit about admin and talk shit about district. The second they were in my classroom, I was like, the data board was updated yesterday. Right. (laughs) Same. Now I'm in a place where I could like just be better. And it's really like, it's corny and it's cheesy, but like I, and my family is kind of like, you sure queen? Um, But I'm like so determined to come back. Yeah. Yeah, and that's good. Like, So please subscribe to this podcast on YouTube so we can monetize it and I can afford to go back. <laughs> it does help to have a side hustle, but it's very sad that like in our country we need a side hustle to survive because mama has a mortgage and a baby now and... I hear those are expensive. It is. And like even not having a mortgage, like Southern California is not forgiving. I don't know. We could talk about that forever. Just like another day in Joe Biden's America. I need to stop saying that. People keep thinking I'm a Republican. Eh, Whatever. Well, we need to stop talking because we've been recording for an hour and 43 minutes now. Uh, First of all, bye. (laughs) First of all, get out. Thank you so much for listening. Please. If you're in your car listening to this, I don't care if you're on the interstate. Put it in park. The podcast is over. Podcast is done. And please, for the love of God, review and rate us on whatever platform you're listening on. Redacted says it helps. Allegedly, according to the the people that produce the Small Town Murder podcast. Love it. Love them. Their reviews really help the algorithm. So if you could leave us a review, a like, a comment, a follow, whatever platform you're watching this on, we would appreciate it. Also, because then we can see who you are. And then when we can't sleep, we can just like look at your Instagram pictures. (laughs) Did you know Jenna Marbles used to do that? No, I love her. I miss her. She raised me. She made a video one time where she said that when she can't sleep, she just like picks random followers and stalks them. I love that idea. I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to leave comments like on a pic from 2019. Be like, LOL. I want to do it tonight. Drink my wine and watch The Bachelorette and just like scroll. Okay, so we have to end this podcast because Fraz and I have to go comment on your Instagram photos. So check your notifications tab. Bye, you guys. We love ya. Bye. Sleep tight if it's nighttime. <laughs> Recording stuff. Yeah. <laughs>